Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekky perspective. Things may sound a little different because we've gone out on the road. We're recording this episode right now in the Picture House Central Bar. So if you can hear noise in the background, ambiance ambiance is what I like to call it. You know, it's, it's not just... from the BB Sounds archive. It's real. <laughs> it's real. It's fine. This is a one-off special edition because today we are on our way to the Prince Charles Cinema, sorry, Pitch House, to see Star Trek <laughs> The Motion Picture, the director's edition in 4K. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt McCoy Brothers. Hello. And Paul Pike Wilson-Morris. Hello. I'm so excited for this. This is like coming full. So this takes us right back to the beginning. Back like to the, the beginning. This, this feels like the all good things of Spotlight. We are, you know, past, <laughs> present, and future collide. Yeah, I mean, I've got some old man makeup on. Um, <laughs> yeah. We must go back. <laughs> I'm feeling old as hell. Depends on it. Ready to go. Um, but yeah, this this is the first ever film we covered on the first ever episode of the podcast. At my existence. And nothing's changed. I've never forgiven you since. <laughs> we wanted to start with the Star Trek movies originally. We didn't know whether this podcast would make it past 13 episodes, people. We thought that that might be it. How wrong we were. We're now way past 100. Sometimes even those 13 were in doubt. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And we've now, this is the third time we'll be covering the motion picture because we did a 40th anniversary special yeah. edition where Paul dug out his projector. We watched the director's edition on the projector. However, this was the DVD edition, region one. And now... Yeah, 480 interlaced lines of pure, pure <laughs> resolution. <laughs> Spread um, over 120 inches. Looks, uh, looks not great. <laughs> uh, I remember now, Paul has always been a big defender of this film. And it only goes up in your estimation. It's gone up and up. Like, in fact, we've ranked it again now. My number two. Like, number two. Yeah. The second best what? Star Trek film, yes. says Paul yeah. Wilson-Morris. Like, yeah. After Wrath of Khan? Wrath of Khan is number one. Like, yeah, but right. I think it's like... They, what an amazing thing to have them um, like the two films out of the gate for this franchise. Is Wolf so, of Khan your number one? Number one is most Wolf of Khan. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think just because, yeah, on paper it's a better film. Like it's uh, yeah. But agree. But <laughs> like, there nothing approaches the majesty of the motion picture which we're about to see, and I think on the big screen now we'll finally appreciate. We're about to have a religious life. experience. I'm yeah, sure. I think this is like Star Trek 2001. It's going to be an odyssey. So, have we gone from? Motion picture, the normal cut, the actual cut. Yeah, yeah the actual, Then yeah. director's cut, second time around. Yeah. yeah. And director's now this edition. is... This is also director's edition, director's edition yes. but in but 4K. Okay. So it's gone up and up it's and up. It's a different experience. This is what that guy on Twitter, the motion picture 4K petition uh, guy's been going for for years. And, he, you know, literally, yeah. his, his hard work. He did the Lord's work and now... Yeah. Well, there's, there's been, you know, Darren Dockerman and, uh, I believe, the visual effects advisor for the director's edition... Uh, and then there's the producer, I forget his name, but they've, they've been trying to fulfill, this is Robert Wise's dying wish, that it was to be finished properly. Honest well, I think it's, you know, he, he, you know, he did say to him, just like, get, make them finish it, because they, they wanted to do this photochemically in 2000, and they just couldn't, Paramount wouldn't pay for it. But the, the DVD was the best they could get. It was like <coughs> compromise, it was, and as Darren describes it now, it's like a proof of concept that, you know, this could be done, but they just never followed up. And he believes actually it's probably better it waited to the technology at this point, now realise this film, you know, and fulfill its potential the way they couldn't have done if they'd done it photochemically in 2001. Because the, the CGI wouldn't have been up to scratch to do it in 2K at that point. They wouldn't have had the, the money to go archival and actually recomposite some of the effect shots. So we're not just seeing new CGI, like uh, replacing the CGI from 2001. We're seeing the original effect shots taken apart, gone back to their elements, cleaned up and put back together in a, with a fidelity we've never seen. So, like, the, the movie's never looked as good or sound as good. What we're hearing as well tonight is some of Robert Wise's uh, preferred takes of, like, line readings, which have never been heard because there wasn't time oh, wow. to replace them. So they were just production audio on the theatrical version where it was, like, that was the tape they had to use because they didn't have time to put in his preferred, like, line reading. So this is finally it. They didn't have time to do this on the 2001 edition, I should say, as well. And I think we're... Um, as were they saying, rushed? <laughs> well, I think there was time. But yeah, there's money and there's time you know it's uh it's always a question that i mean blade runner 1992 is called the director's cut mm. but that was like compromise as well you know they just had the time to take out the voiceover and tack on a unicorn and, and then you throw it in theaters 
the final cut took what another 15 years to get the money to do so they're the same here so yeah i think it's it's the best it's going to look if you've not sold on this movie after this then then that's i, I don't know what i can do for you <laughs> robert robert if you've got any messages for your for your wife or, or, or your children no just Direct the direct <laughs> in 4K. He wouldn't know what 4K was. Like it's like, but he was apparently. Oh, anyway, sorry about that. I didn't realise what 4K was, but just make it look really nice. Yeah, oh. yeah 4K. Like yeah, he's. Uh, well, Robert Wise, he was here. He would be pushing for this because he was like, as we know, and you bought me the setup. Uh, Robert Wise movie, boxing movie. He did a commentary for that. He was like well into his DVDs and his like extras and putting his you know legacy on record. And so, you know, he would want this to be in the best position. I'm actually getting this on um, the on Blu-ray and 4K this week. I don't even have a 4K player, but I, I ponied up the 60 <laughs> Green Queens required to purchase the uh, the complete adventure. It's always Star Trek that brings you back into the but next Have you step bought up? a 4K player, or is it just that it's got the Blu-ray in it, and then you've yeah, got, got the 4 Yeah, it's got Blu-ray, it's five ready. discs, and it's got the Blu-ray in it as right. well. So it's like, it's backwards and forwards. So you've got the 4K ready if you have a Yeah, and I'm sure it will upgrade, like, at one point or another, but, like, uh, it's the only way you can get all of it, including the special longer edition, which was the 1983 ABC cut, where a bit like, you know, how Richard Donner referred to that piece of shit Superman TV cut three, around three yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the same thing in the 80s with Star Trek Motion Picture, which is they threw in like 11 scenes and stuff like that. Even more. Yeah. Um, but that's on there as an exclusive to the to the edition. I don't know if I'll ever have time to watch that. But Well, uh, you better have time to watch well, it. I have right? seen it. Like, yeah. I, have, I have seen it. The, the spot crying scene was in that longer version. And I was like, what? I don't remember this. And spot crying? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. so that, that is in the direct edition. It's like fundamental to the plot making sense, and then the theatrical edition doesn't have Whatever it. Whatever happened to emotions at aliens? Oh, well, you'll, you'll maybe tonight. You'll uh, <laughs> all piece together. Well, I was looking at letterbox for the the dates at which I watched this before, just to remind me. So, first time seeing this, Thursday, July seventh, twenty sixteen, right well, ahead of us recording. Uh, yeah, ahead of recording the first. And then episode. Um, it was Friday, November eighth, twenty nineteen, where we would have done the projector. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. It's a three-year interval then, which uh, feels both a long time ago and also, you know, four or five months away from the pandemic starting. So I thought you were about to say it also too soon. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the shortest gap, I think, between viewings, but uh, I'm intrigued. Wow, okay, so this is a third time lucky for oh, the motion picture for I'm you. I'm just thinking, like, I can't wait to hear the soundtrack and Atmos. Like, apparently, mm. Goldsmith score has never sounded better. Like, if nothing else, you close your eyes for two hours. And you might. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but at least your hearers will be, will be graced by the wonderful music. It could happen. Um, what I will say is, originally, when we covered this on our first ever episode, I gave this film two and a half stars. When we watched it again, the director's edition, it went up to three stars. Three gold stars. So who knows what could happen tonight, seeing it on the big screen, 4K. So you'll see, have they actually done CG effects for this? Yeah, like, so they, they, they had, in 2001, they had shots they couldn't complete or like were planned, didn't finish. They basically made great CGI models of the Enterprise and stuff like that, and you know, to the point where they kind of added grain and they really made it look almost indistinguishable from the model work. And it looked really great on standard dev, but it doesn't stand up scrutiny. So, but all those shots like, had to be re- do, redone. So they've had yeah. to kind of re- you know, do all those, 4K, those shots in 4K. Yeah. So there'll be new shots that in 4K like we've been done again. The DVD stuff's been abandoned. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. In the bin with you, Interesting. Yeah. Right. Well, well, and there's been a new shot added as well, which was new like shot because I think they fixed this a, a, a kind of a goof in the in the Spock's Facebook sequence. So I'll be I'll be looking out for that. The whole two seconds Ooh, of like new footage. Two seconds. Good to see you do the whole Leonardo DiCaprio clicking and pointing at screen. But what, what? As in how? How is it new footage? Well, they've just created a new shot, like with CGI, that sort of fixes a gap in some of the, the Spock spacewalk sequence. Where he's... So what? Actually, with him, with no, we'll have oh, to look. He's like... dead. Of course, they did. Well, well, no, no. But I mean, is it, they've, they've done a CG thing. No, no, no. Like sure they did Peter Cushing. I, I think it's one. just like it's just more of the interior video, which is just like okay, connects okay, okay, the okay. chambers where he's going into the interior, and I think it's just like a shot that kind of adds the continuity. Do you think we'll spot it? You won't. <laughs> you will. You will. I, I know this. I know like, this. I'm here for this brief few seconds to... I've not seen before. Nurse made you for any difficulties, mister? 
Which one is it that Miss Piggy is in? Is that this one? Yeah, is this that, is in is that in, exact scene. Yeah, like, in this, this you'll film. see Darth Vader's uh, silhouette as well in this in that shot. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. wow. Okay, well, we just did Muppets Take Manhattan. This is quite exciting. Do you know about this, Matt? No. What the hell are you talking about? So explain. So yeah, in the Spock Spacewalk sequence, which is the jetpack bit, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a shot of like the Vija's memory bank, so it's looking at all the things it's experienced in its journey. And you, he says if the Epsilon Nine Station, you know, restored here in every detail. There's like a shot, and you can see the kind of outline of Darth Vader, and then below it, apparently, is Miss Piggy. But like, it just looks like a pink blob to me. But now in 4K, maybe we'll see her like resplendent. And Kermit wig. as well. Yeah, not me, not Kermit. No. Not Kermit. Did we try pausing that when we watched on your projector? Oh, they've also fixed a goof where like McCoy's and Spock's like armbands switched colours in the last shot. They they put that back the right oh, way. Oh, right? okay. Exciting, exciting stuff. <laughs> Can't wait to see correctly coloured uh, well, armbands. While we're here, Matt. I long awaited oh. a birthday present uh, oh, for you, you, which I failed to give you almost every time I've seen you for quite a number of months. I've forgotten. But I thought it would be nice to give it to you on mic. So here it is. I love receiving birthday presents live on an episode. In, inside this, this gift. Is a, a Don't theme. hide your enthusiasm. Like, okay, it's something. It is. It's the original invasion of the Body Snatchers, baby. So this is a spotlight link. Because we have covered the remake. Yes, I still haven't seen it. Well done. Uh, with Leonard Nimoy, whereas this is the original, which Matt has not seen. So there you go. Minus Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, it has no Leonard but Nimoy. But with or... Kevin McCarthy, Larry Gates, <laughs> King Donovan, Carolyn All Jones. All star cast. Ralph Dunkey. Don Siegel. Oh, yeah, God. directed by Don Siegel oh, himself. Man. Yeah. Man. Oh, pleasure, dude. Pleasure. Is this the uh, replacement for Forbidden Planet times two? No, that, that was the new kids, that which you watched kids. recently. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is just a belated bit. Nah, yeah. Stop asking for presents, okay? Like... <laughs> so this, listeners, is due to me becoming a senile old man, <laughs> and uh, I bought so uh, Matt Forbidden Planet twice. <laughs> I just Blue love Ray. the idea of you looking through my 300, 400 film strong watch list, and independently going like, oh, I bet you'd like this, and get me Forbidden Planet, and then like a year later doing the same thing, and being like, looking through, looking through, Oh, this is it. Uh, this is exact it, it, same thought process. exactly what happened. Yeah, so what's your birthday? One for Christmas. I mean, yes. I mean, my bad for not watching it in time. Yeah, that taking was it the off pro- the watch I think list. that was the problem, that yeah. you didn't watch it between. And then... Like, I made a yeah, point of doing it immediately. I bought it for your birthday. I bought it for Christmas. And then I gave it to you for Christmas. And then I saw... But obviously wrapped. So you didn't know what it was. And then I saw it pop up on your Lampbox diary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, literally, like, a week before Christmas or something. Or even, like, a couple of Yeah, that was me finally watching the original And one. I messaged you, being like, oh, bloody opening your presents before Christmas morning, eh, Matthew? Like, and you were like, what? <laughs> I was like, no, I just finally got round to that present from you for my birthday. Why? <laughs> Christ yeah. Oh, dear. But, um, yes, so, soon we will be going to the Prince Charles to watch this cinematic adventure. T-minus 45 minutes, 45 people. minutes and, like, until you're... Star Trek. Yeah, I think, hopefully tonight, I'm not going to, this is going to ruin it with this, Robert Wise's preferred takes, and it's like, I preferred the shit ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Approach would be like, oh, what are these nice shots? Like, that's it, give me back my DVD. Yeah, well, I, I'm, my set will include the theatrical if I, like, love the old ropey map paintings, which I love as well. <coughs> But, uh, but this is still going to have map paintings. No, there'll be there'll be some map paintings, but they, they, there's some they've replaced completely with oh, like CGI. That's no. like fully volume. Well, because they got it wrong. Like well, there's a there's a shot of Vulcan where like they put loads of moons yeah. in the sky in the map painting, but then it's canon that there's no moons on Vulcan. So like so they've re- they've done it properly. Who cares? I love a map painting, listeners. So you know maybe I'll be all out for this. <laughs> so I bloody love a moon. Yeah, yeah. Give me all well, the moons. We will be coming back to give our reaction to this film yeah. at some point. We'll go record like a post-game reaction once we've seen this film. Separately and in special so separate boobs. In 4K. With CGI. And as added bonus, if anybody's interested and hasn't tuned out by now, I will be running down the special features of the A Complete Adventure Incredible. five disc Amazing. Star Trek Motion Picture set. And you'll go watch the deleted scenes, aren't you? I will be. They found three Never before seen selected scenes. Oh. Like, uh, so, so you've got all that to look forward to, people. Yeah. <laughs> and, Don't turn and they've off. got a new documentary which includes like footage of the abandoned memory wall sequence, which was replaced by the spot wall one we've seen. Amazing. Which is like 
I watched um, Forbidden Planet, no, not what it's called, Fantastic Voyage, off the basis of just hearing about this memory war sequence. Okay. So it's like the original plan was that, you know, Spock and Kirk go into the brain computer of, like, Vija. And then they're attacked by, like, all these kind of, like, memory things that just come out of the place and they'd stick to Kirk and pin him to the ground. And then um, they did, they achieved that by, like, you know, doing a reverse filmy where they kind of start with them all stuff on him and then pull them off with, like, you know, fishing wire. And then, you know, when you play it back the wrong way, they like they will stick to him, but it actually looked awful. And it's funny because they just said that was a bit the um, the effects of Raquel Welch being attacked by antibodies in the Fantastic Voyage. Right. When it's inside, you know, it's a little submarine inside a human body. Yeah. Very fun film, that Fantastic Voyage. And I'm amazed it hasn't been remade. I know it's had a few aborted attempts, but like, I, the, the memory wall sequence, seeing anything from it is like the, a bit of a holy grail for motion picture fans. So I'm kind of really get, geared up to see it. Apparently it was unusable, unwatchable, and slow as hell. I'm in. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Mainline that shit into my face. <laughs> so, this is not a proper goodbye because for you listeners, it will be but a second. But for us, <coughs> we're beaming knows? on out of here. Yeah, we're beaming on out for now. But the human adventure is just beginning. <laughs> Us ahead, Mr. Sulu. Take us out. Mr. Spock, every minute brings that object closer to Earth. I need you. I am convinced we are inside a living machine. Shall I go to battle station, sir? Insatiable curiosity. Spock, you haven't changed a bit. You're just as warm and sociable as ever. <laughs> I hope we got this one off to a good start. I hope so, too. Okay, so we're back. This is not immediately <laughs> after we saw the film. Just a couple of seconds ago, you will just, have heard just a us. Of weeks. Uh, <laughs> you heard us having a bit of pre-game before the actual screening of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, the director's edition in 4K at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. And we did originally intend to just have a post-screening reaction immediately afterwards. But me and Paul had to catch things called trains. <laughs> Well, it was an 8.45 start time, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, PM. Yeah. And, you know, we had to get back to Brian, so literally we had no time. To even finish the movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, literally, I deliberately I deliberately asked Paul, who is a font of all knowledge on the kind of updates to the film, what was the last kind of moment where there was something significant that changed between the uh, two versions, and he told me, and I left after that. I chose a nice bit of directing because I had to get the first train. But I chose the scene where Spock shows or demonstrates what Vidra is lacking by giving a big handhold with his friends. Spock, what should you have known? What should you have known? This simple feeling is beyond Vidra's comprehension. Well, that was a nice moment for me to make my exit. It was, and we had our own hand-holding moment <laughs> yeah. like, as you yeah. left. So, of course, so you, you, you left, Paul, and then a few, yeah, about 10 or 15 minutes later, Liam left. It was about 20 minutes Leaving later, me yeah. on my lonesome to finish this film. So if anyone was sat in a row behind us going, oh, look, it's the Spocklight boys here to see Star Trek. Oh, one's leaving. Oh, the other's left. They don't really like Star Trek, do they? It's like, <laughs> these guys had trains to get. So. <laughs> and shout out to the guy in the front row who was asleep by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Were you also asleep by the end? No, I made it. I, I had a really great time. And it was, um, and we'll get into a bit of the film, I'm sure. But the, I remember coming out when it had finished and going straight into the loos. And there were these two older gents there, maybe in their 
late fifties who are just like, whoa, you know, that's that, that's how it's done, isn't it, guys? Is that just, what they were like? Yeah, yeah they're just when, like the moment you walked in, they were like, whoa, <laughs> bloody hell! But they were just like, oh, that's how it's done, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's the best, really, isn't it? Like, oh, I just don't make them like this anymore. Well, you said like, the other ones can't touch it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, they were just really, um, and, um, and for them, I'm really glad they got the chance to see this on the big screen because they're just the pure. Aficionados. You're glad for them. What about yourself? Are you glad for yourself that you got? No, I am. You know, this this film's been a bit of a running joke throughout this podcast of, <laughs> of, of of its style, and it is the one we've covered the most. And I think this was like seeing it in its final form, where you can't get you can't give as much more solid presentation as a 4K restoration on the big screen with great sound. I think you just witnessed the birth of a new life. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So it was. It was like I was really on board for the ride, for the uh, the cinematic experience. So it felt it did feel akin to seeing like two thousand one on the big screen, where this wouldn't have the same impact at home on a small screen. And there was something very special about doing it this way, for sure. Yeah, I have got to say, every time I've watched this film for the podcast, it's increased my appreciation of it. Obviously, when we covered this on our first ever episode. I was not a massive fan. I had seen it before as well at that point. I'd always found it pretty bore snore. And like, <laughs> I think originally it sat on my letterbox as like two star. And then when I watched it for this, it got up to a two and a half. Then when we watched the director's edition for the uh, 40th anniversary episode that we did, it went up to a three star through watching the director's edition. Uh, that was obviously on your DVD pool, but we did watch it on your projector at the time. And then for this, the director's edition of 4K at Prince Charles Cinema, it went up a whole three and a half stars. Yeah, literally. it went up to three and a half for me as well. And I, I don't think it can get any further, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Because this was the ultimate presentation. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's not going to be better than this. And there was something about being enveloped in it in the darkness. Like you say, he's a run. Yeah. He's <laughs> akin <laughs> to seeing something like, you know, well, this is Star Trek's attempt to doing something like 2001, isn't it? And there is something massively grand about it. The 4K presentation is pretty stunning. Um, and the kind of CG elements that they've woven in are pretty seamless and just look great and have a, have a part of the film. And um, I was kind of quietly blown away by it in a weird way in terms of certainly on a, just a visual and sonic level. I think what made me appreciate it this time watching it is there's nothing, or at least it's very rare, to get something like this now mm. in terms of something that feels this cinematic, this huge, this grand. It does feel like you're transported to a different world. And this always comes up for me in terms of most big budget kind of spectacle movies you see now. You look at the special effects or the VFX and you go, how did they do that? And you go, in a computer. That's how they did it. That's the answer, basically, all the time. Whereas here, you look at it and that's not the answer. And yet, it still looks magical and impressive. And obviously, there are bits that don't look as impressive. But there's so much that does. There's so much that's kind of mind-blowing in this visually. And I just... They don't make them like they used to no more. Well, what were you most looking forward to seeing from this on the big screen, Paul, knowing it so well. You're like, I can't wait to see this bit in this way. I think it was just knowing that they had... It was it was one thing to have the budget to go back and redo those effects that they, they kind of created for the 2001 editions. They had to start over again, but recreate them as they were planned in 4K and, and bring them in, in line with the film. But the, the fact that they actually went back to the original special effects and found the different composite elements in the archives, so it became an archival project as well as much as a kind of redux for for the special edition or direct edition effects. So the fact they had to recomposite stuff and re remove that inherent softness and dirt and grain that accumulated over forty years of some of the, the the original effects, to see them scrubbed up and just like presented now in like what would have been large format elements. So some of this was shot in sixty five, some of it was shot in this division. I found out the difference why they would do these different formats. Like apparently, this division you can get a lot closer to the models. 
Sony Mirrorless is a bit harder to kind of get that huge cumbersome camera close to the thing. So they do all those kind of amazing shots, particularly the last shot where it kind of goes underneath the Enterprise and pivots and then the Enterprise zooms away, was like VistaVision. Uh, you know, these shots for the first time just blew my mind. And there's one in particular is breathtaking, which is the Enterprise coming past the Earth and the sun coming up behind it and then backlighting it as it kind of leaves Earth mm. for the first time. I was like, that cannot be bettered. Like, especially for CGI, you always know you're looking at CGI, but this is true magic. And I think, yeah, you use that word, Leo, it is magic. Like it's photochemical. It's it's smart people working mm-hmm. out how to do something uh, in a manual way, and um, you know that's the uh, the Vija as well. Like suddenly had such impressiveness. Like when you're watching that model and you're kind of seeing different sections of it, you know, by Doug Trumbull, uh, you know, shooting of smoke in ways to kind of like bring that scale out in Blade Runner in a few years' time. I got to appreciate that. So I think all the bits that you know you just kind of find difficult to watch at home because they are muddy and they were like really dark. The bits on the big screen, you're like, I want to spend more time looking at what they're looking at now. It switched it around, whereas mm. like you're just hoping for some human drama at home <laughs> to kind of compel you. But on the big screen, you're like, show, just, me, show me this model again. I want to see yeah. more of the model, which is like a different way of view this film. So you, when they're looking at stuff and kind of going, oh, and their mouths are agape and you think, it's like, I'm that too now. Like for, for once I get it. Like, it kind of makes sense. Give me that 20-minute-long boarding sequence. I'll well, take you it. Know, and it's for me, like, this is sort of watching it in, in you know, almost in its entirety in the cinema, um, <laughs> was, like, appreciating the edit job on the director's edition a lot more. You know, you've listened to music, you've kind of, like, watched the film so many times, the theatrical version. You get really kind of locked into kind of that being the length of it. And it is quite... There's, there's 10 minutes of the cloud, then there's the they fly over but they've snipped it down like to eight in this version. And it makes all the difference because the shots don't just linger on the and, and I asked them for the first, well, I worked out for the first time how they did it because I watched some of the extras and I would talk them through and saying, it's like they, they, the music was written to be cut. He says, I never thought you'd use all of that music. I wrote it to match the effects I was given to Jerry Goldsmith. Well, he, he kind of like put pauses or repetition in it. So it could easily be kind of shortened. So they cut the music down and then they cut the film to the music for the first time. So that was how they kind mm. of made those effects sequences kind of go a little bit faster. It's very subliminal, but like they don't feel like they absolutely yeah. are welcome in quite the same way they did. No, it's the other way around. Dropped into the film and go, we've got this intercoming effect, but there's no time to trim it. It goes in like that. The music fits that. And then you, we've just got the cutaways. And, you know, we'll just have to take out Spot crying because it, there's no room for it now. <laughs> so, yeah, to have it in its entirety with that, it just, yeah, it flowed so beautifully. The sound mix was amazing as well. I think this is... Yeah, it sounded it, incredible. Yeah. Is, yeah, they kind of, like, they remixed it in Dolby Atmos, like, really utilised those channels. And I think, um, yeah, this is a, a equipped theatre as well we saw it in. And it was, it really bought, like, that was a 2022 soundtrack on a 1979 movie. Mm. There was no question, like, you were getting kind of, like, beyond what was possible. Then. But it just elevates the experience and kind of makes it all that more in, in, uh, engaging, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm saying you will be able to relive it, Paul, as you've purchased the Star Trek The Motion Picture, the director's edition, the complete adventure mm. Blu-ray set, which you have in front of you, which is this huge, kind of long, kind of book-type thing. Well, it's in the widescreen itself. Yeah, the, well, it's funny, because at the end, it, you know, it says the human adventure just beginning, and it truly was just beginning for me, because <laughs> like, Amazon just dropped this... Five days later, and it's the, the UK edition, which is five discs, which is means it's got a couple of Blu-rays in there as well. So you, for people like me who don't yet have 4K capability, can watch the watch it. But it does include the special longer edition, which is the internable TV cut, uh, which right. is 145 minutes. It's just everything and the kitchen sink in there, which is a bit of a curio. Um, That's another new cut for this. Well, it was 1983. Or... It was kind of for TV mm. edit. They put on all the some of the dialogue scenes back in and um, it you know, humorously had one unfinished effect shot in it, which is Kirk coming out of the space, uh, out of the kind of like airlock to look for Spock, but they hadn't finished the matte painting. So there's like quite obviously this studio ceiling and stuff like that, which has been fixed for this. So even the oh, TV wow. cut, even the TV cut has been, been yeah. had that effect shot swapped out. So you can kind of like watch it without being drawn out of the picture to see the, the wiring. But yeah, this this edition has um, newly discovered deleted footage, which is amazing for a, a motion picture head like myself. This is the Holy Grail. Yeah. Uh, we get to see Ilea and Decker in engineering with Scotty. And, uh, and this is all upscaled as well. Oh, yeah, it looks really amazing, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's an extra, which is kind of Kurt doing kind of like a smart kind of gambit, sort of like he does an announcement just for engineering because he knows that's where they are. Just sort of like 
hint that they think the probe is like there's a huge there's a there's a human element to it or something like that. And uh, Scotty has this really kind of clunky line where he's like, you know, if I was acting logically, I'd have blown out the nearest airlock, Missy, uh, to, <laughs> to, uh, to Ilea. Um, you get to see the security guards shooting the probe on the bridge and one of them get instantly vaporised. Right. Uh, and, then five, and, then, and then subsequent to that, they have a new, well, yeah, extended ending where Kirk has to report there. Three casualties, Ensign Phillips, Ilea and Decker. And, and I think it was Rob Wisey who wisely said, we need to cut the security guard getting zapped because it's far more dramatic just to have the two. Missing. Right, uh, right. Because he does report that, doesn't he? Yeah, he reports the end two of people missing. Right, he does, but yeah. in the original cut, it was three missing. Right. The, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no one cares about that. Fucking security guards. Like. <laughs> Chekhov's like, don't shoot it! And, uh, and then it's <laughs> instantly vaporised. And uh, there's some awesome costume tests as well in this edition, which is um, something I usually go for, but I like to see Caveman Spock. So apparently, like, in the, in the Vulcan ritual party, they're meant to go out naked and come back with whatever they find in the wilderness. So he's like wearing like, you know, he looks like a caveman in it with like a huge beard, um, which is an abandoned concept, just awesome to see. And uh, they, they've assembled all the kind of like readouts from the Enterprise bridge. So all the things that we playing on the monitors is really, really fun to see. Just sort of like the, the detail on all of this stuff. And then um, what else have we got? There's a fold out poster that I've been holding, which you need to get up on your Which wall. is of the original Bob Peak. Well, no, it's a, it's a, it is, but it's been. It's been but yeah, they, they, it's a newer yeah, one. they've touched, yeah, touched up, and they, but it's based on it's the lightning effects. Yeah, yeah, original Bob Peak poster, which inspired our own logo, of yeah. course. So, we need more lightning on our logo. Now. Yeah, we do now. Yeah, so we need a, we need a four K edition. Oh, there <laughs> like, was um, uh, like, there's an effects reel as well. Those of effects shots that didn't make the movie, including like the Klingons all firing at once, like in sequence, like uh, extended kind of opening battle. But then there's like a 45 minute new documentary which kind of charts the history of the movie. Not quite as in depth as I want, like that I wanted. I wanted more about like the, the original effect movies which were on the show and then they kind of got let go halfway through production where they, it was only six months to go and they had done one shot. So can you imagine like all the effect shots you see in the movie were done with only the last six months to go? Right, um, right, right. Which means that Dog Trouble and John Dykstra's fresh off start. Well, Dykstra's fresh off Star Wars and Trumbull, obviously, had made a name for something in 2001 and Silent Running, etc. You know, were paid whatever they their price, name your price, to finish this movie. But I just wanted a bit more about the Robert Abel Associates, kind of like, you know, what, what was the one shot they managed to do that we're watching in the film that actually was from the original company? Because uh, they did a lot of experimentation that didn't kind of work out. Yes, yeah, so you get to see some effect shots. But in the, there's a slight extended bit of the memory wall sequence, which is the famous sort of excised bit in the middle of the, the film where um, it was replaced by Spock going on, on his own into the Vija kind of brain complex. Mm. It was like where Kirk and Spock go in and it's like this memory wall where they kind of like interact with this thing and Kirk gets attacked by all these probes. You get to see a little bit more of that than you did on DVD. But for me, I wanted to see it. Everything, show me what you got. <laughs> and I was when you don't get to see everything. And I think the producers just said, oh, the, it's unwatchable. It's like, oh, the man who has always loved motion picture we've got four great bumper stickers here a blue one saying I am a Trekkie that's sure to get you beat up (laughs) (laughs) Federation vehicle official use only you've got to put that in your car please scratch me (laughs) (laughs) beam me up Mr Spock and the Star Trek the motion picture one as well put all four on your car if you want it to get smashed (laughs) like by fucks got some postcards here you got some vintage stickers yeah yeah these like... stickers look like they would have been given away with a Star Trek motion picture tie-in UK comic from the time mm. that they would have been on the front of that like yeah your special stickers yeah it comes in a nice box it could have been more hardware and didn't quite make it through completely unscathed from Amazon shipping got a little duck dink in the set side which yeah. I just have to live with there we go. and That's so it. it's five discs so there's two which are just the Blu-rays well there's yeah 4K direct edition 4K theatrical slash special longer edition right Blu-ray the direct edition Blu-ray the factory cut and a Blu-ray bonus disc I yeah. see well it's a beautiful set if you are a big fan of this film I think we do recommend this set isolated score as well oh wow oh yeah, that'd be yeah. good. It literally says here on the back of the box, it says housed in deluxe packaging. Mm-hmm. There you go. The set includes merchant, yeah, merchandise reproductions. 
Yeah. So these, so a lot of these are Mercer's reproductions from Made the time. Vintage, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's what's known as a box of crap edition. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, where you just put a load of junk in stuff. Yeah, usually it's those um, cells. You know, that they usually put in those films uh, where they kind of cut up a, a seventy millimeter print and they put like a little thing. Yes, in it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Which one have I got? The the bumper stickers, yeah, are actual from nineteen seventy nine bumper stickers. Like so, they they've they've reproduced from the time. Got the original press kit, photography reproduction cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive, and this is the kind of thing that's almost died out. Yeah, this is the thing of the old school nature of this film. You know, it starts with the score overture that we got as well. Like, yeah, yeah, we got that in the cinema five, yeah. six minutes before even the Paramount logo shows up. So I think like that might be. I think it was, it's not the last film, but it's it's the last by about eight days. Because I think The Black Hole, if I'm correct, might have an overture, but it was the, it was the last two films to have one. Wow, they were oh, that really? close together. Yeah. yeah, The Black Hole came like immediately out after this. Which is the Disney sci-fi Yeah, which I'm excited to see. And like, they're the last ones to do that type of overture at the start yeah. of the film. Wow. Ooh, until... Oh, did Hateful Eight do one in the in the Roadshow edition? I think yeah, you would probably say that would be the next yeah. one. Yeah, because but I, that's only in the Roadshow version, isn't it? Yeah, not, not the theatrical cut. So they truly yeah. don't make them like this anymore. No, yeah. I think that's it. Certainly, is a, it's a you never see the lack of it again. I can't see them sort of doing this where you get that yeah. time to just appreciate the visuals of what yeah, you're not seeing. Not in this algorithm based world of like hook people in the first ten seconds or you're done. It's like no one's going to see. Yeah, Six first minutes 10 seconds of fucking screen. overture on a black screen so you like, never oh, feel good. Oh, it's not working. It's <laughs> a picture of it. I think it's lucky they put the star on it because people would have gone, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was mesmerising. Yeah, this is this is a film from a bygone era and it's kind of all the better for it. For me, it's, it's definitely not my favourite Star Trek film. It's not even in my top five favourite Star Trek films, but... <laughs> it's not even in my it, top ten. <laughs> it is now in my top ten. It has moved, it has moved up, because, I mean, this used to be really near the bottom for me. This used to be kind of... And it's funny, I was actually listening to the Pilot TV podcast the other day, uh, hosted by James Dyer and Boyd Hilton, uh, along with Beth Webb, but Boyd Hilton and James Dyer have both been guests on this podcast and they did actually discuss our podcast in relation to our upcoming podcast season two episode with Sophie Petzl, which probably should be available now, but also Star Trek The Motion Picture because Boyd, I think, did also get the same set. When he was on the podcast for the first time to cover Showtime with William Shatner, uh, when we were asking him for his Trek credentials, he said he saw the motion picture in the cinema wow. uh, when it came out. Yeah, so it holds quite a special place in his heart. So I think he bought this to recreate that experience and really, really loved seeing it again. But James was saying about how he he does not he's not a fan. He's not a fan of the original series in general, despite being a big uh big or well, so called tracky <laughs> like yeah and firstly i think he should have his bumper sticker revoked <laughs> like, uh, but yeah it's he was saying about when the empire did a star trek movie ranking apparently the motion picture was very near the bottom which it was it's for me originally but now right. it's moved all the way up it's about like for me it's about like halfway it's probably now in like seventh or eighth place or something like that and that's out of 13 films so that's you know still quite reasonably quite high and it, what you mean the bottom half? <laughs> well, yeah, but I've got this really it's high. Like, it's, it's like, like no. we did. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's like really, really hard. <laughs> but in terms of, but it's not. It's not bottom. It used to be like bottom tier for me, but now it's it's well, not. It's, just, a, it's no not a comparison, Liam. Yeah, it is no comparison <laughs> apart just, from the six years. films I played so far. <laughs> I think. I think you know. It's times me so kind to this film. It has. People have just gone like, yeah, it didn't quite thrill me. Like, let's see what else you got, and then what else we get. Like diminishing returns into like budget. Wrath of Khan. Well, not from that. Like, yeah, it's like, yes, immediately. Like, what yes, else do we? What else do we? But yeah, since then, it's like, immediately improved upon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get my pension there. Ugh. But like, it's just. Um, yeah, other than that, like when you got Nemesis, you're like, give me motion picture. Yeah, death. Oh, when you get nine films down the line and you get Nemesis, then yeah. But I, I think a lot of those original series films really stand up well. Um, I know you're not a fan of Search for Spock, uh-huh. uh, Matt, but uh, you know, I think they're all still pretty good. The uh, the first six, but they definitely go a different direction 
after the motion picture and the motion picture kind of stands alone. Well, five is the closest, I think, to try and kind of create that, that you know, scope. I agree. It seems neutered by the budget, but like, it's certainly ambitious mm. when the other films were play. They're playing it safe. It's the most cerebral. Like, yeah. Final Frontier is the most cerebral after motion picture yes. in terms of trying to do something a bit ethereal. Yeah, saying that. They're, they're, yeah. they're trying to lobby this to be like, where do you go from restoring the vision? Like, Got to try and do number five, like before you know Shatner pops off. Yeah. So, but I don't think he's shown much interest. I think he's kind of like resigned. So I was like, no, that's it. I'm not touching it. But um, interestingly, that the effects on the latest Ultra 4K edition of Front Frontier revealed the Rockman in the film itself. Oh wow! So the explosion, like the shot with the explosion at the end, that used to be so blown out you can see him, but now you see a Rockman like being blown up. Just for a single frame. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the rock man. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, you know, we, me and Matt at least, are big fans of Final Frontier, so we'd love to I, see. I that. look. I love it too. Like it's just, uh, <laughs> I kind of, I love it a different way. I just, just love seeing those guys. I'm like, hang on, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a vibe. It's the Klingons. And um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's that again grows grows every year for me as well. Like. Uh, as three diminishes. Yeah, I think it's just, for me, yeah, the strength of this film is just the uniqueness of it. Mm. And, you know, like I say, I think, I do actually think, especially now you've yeah. got this 4K edition of how the film, its original vision kind of intact, I think its reputation will increase as the years go on, only more so, because like you say, the age we live in with the algorithmic, like, Netflix kind of flat digital look ideal, it's so rare you get a film yeah, like what's this. Yeah, this looks so warmer as well. The colour timing in this movie, like, actually, you know, it was where before where people joked that the, the costume's just so bland, they just blend through the background, but now they kind of have a chance to actually have some life to them. Mm. You know, that, that you get to see a contrast in the colours in this film, because it's not just one flat colour timing. They've really mm. bought it out with HDR, um, that was very clear. I mean, even on the Blu-ray, which I put on, I put that you know it pops in a way. I'm, you know, I've seen this film countless times. It just looks so much better and warmer and less mm. sterile, mm. but in a way that doesn't betray its origins. That it was what Rodney wanted. It wanted to be not like the bold gold red from the original series. That was a network note. Mm. When they said, yeah, he probably want wanted to train the color out. Well, he because he watched yeah. the pilot, the cage. It's the same kind of colors and costumes as the motion picture. Yes, and but the pilot of the actual show that got picked up, like they wanted to sell color TV television sets. So you've got like red railings on the bridge, and you know the gold and the and the blue and the red uniforms of like so much more poppy. This was a kind of going back to like this is how I wanted it all along, and it, but it it's not lost in poor color time. I think they had like two days to time the entire movie mm. that's how tight it was at the end so it's just, it's remarkable we've got anything at all to watch for the last 42 years but uh, what we do get now is the final uh, realisation of that I was also saying like the performances are so much you know the nuances in the performance are so much better in the in this version on the big screen as well Shatner his Captain Kirk's journey his sort of you know unease with which he kind of like takes command and, like his in this version, you know, there's, it's a dark time before, for, for Captain Kirk before, you know, McCoy comes in and then later on Spock. You, he needs these people to complete him. Without them, he's not fully at the races. And I think you get to see that kind of in the Shatner's performance so beautifully on the big screen. It was probably there, but just it, I just seeing it on the big screen, like writ large, just like this guy is playing, you know, he's a classically trained actor. Like, finally, this is his biggest film he's ever been in and still has ever been in. Um, but, you know, he, he really rises to the occasion. And I think Persis Gambata, I think they mentioned this in the commentary as well, that, you know, she's really taking for granted in this. Um, but, like, the fact she doesn't, like, blink for the, like, last 30 minutes of the movie. And, um, mm. you know, her... It's a big ask of her to kind of switch to that robotic kind of version, but then occasionally soften and the voice changes. And, you know, you see there's somebody still inside and then it comes back again. She goes cold with a simple look. She goes warm to cold really well. That's something that really, you know, is amazing to see. It just wasn't really evident to me before. So, yeah, always discovering new things. I do agree with you in terms of seeing this on the big screen and finally appreciating Shatner's performance. I, I like I say, my appreciation of Shatner as an actor has gone up massively by doing this podcast. But seeing this again on the big screen, I think Shatner's fantastic in this film. Like, I think it's one of his best Star yeah. Trek performances. 
seeing it on the big screen really hit home of just like how young he still looks in this. Like in terms of, he, obviously he looks older than he did in the original series. Uh, he's not as like fresh faced, but he's still like, even in comparison with Khan, he still looks young, vital, kind of strapping, like in this film. Mm. And he, he doesn't feel like the old guy coming back to take over yet. In Rafa Khan, yeah, it's a big leap. Like, yeah. he just feels very middle aged in that. But here he just feels like, you know, he, yeah, he's just taking a desk job. He's a bit stale, but like, he can still run, a, you know, he's a still starship captain. Mm. He's still youthful. And it's funny because they've talked as well, like, it's such a time catch. It was like great to see these actors, like, as they are and preserved in this. But for them, when they saw this film, they were like, oh, they've been away 10 years. I'm like, how old they've got. But now they look relatively young by perhaps them to yeah, how we got to see them later on in these movies. Yeah, I yeah, I was really impressed. And Nimoy as well is also fantastic in this film. And of course, any chance to see someone like Shatner in this role on the big screen, you do remember how dashing and classically handsome he is. It's yeah. like... Like every close up of him, he really commands the screen, and that in part goes of you know the great lighting in this, and just just everyday scenes of of two people chatting in a part of the ship. It's like mm. incredibly dynamically lit in a way that's not really done today, and it's just like yeah, every little moment that he gets to give, put up on that big screen, it's just like oh man, yeah, he is he is captain. Well, Nimoy as well, like you know, he I mean he did make his peace with this one because he trashed it when it came out because he rightly so because he is. He, his part was gutted and if he like confronted the editor at the, at the premiere he was so upset by the fact that like you know his arc had been sort of removed gave him the Vulcan nerve yeah <laughs> but like to see it now you know where the whole point of this film is like he makes peace with his human side he realises it's actually important and you know it's part of him that you know it needs to be there to enable him to become the fully realised person he is he needed to come back to Star Trek he needed his human friendships and his connections to be complete Without them, he was barren. And, like, to have him kind of, like, have that realisation towards the end, you know, without that scene, it's just, like, he completely dies of death. Mm -hmm. um, mm. So it's amazing that it's all, you know, it's it's in there now. And it is... They all go on arcs in this film, really. Like, you know, it could have been a once and done, and it would have been interesting to sort of see it that way, because it's just... There's a lot more to it than it initially feels like, they're, oh, they're missing all the character moments from the original series. I think the exposition kind of corrects that. Quite, quite a great deal. Well, I think because two, three, and four kind of became a trilogy, like they each continue from each other, it makes one feel so much on its own. Yeah. And it does kind of feel like there's another world where this is the last we ever see of Star Trek and this is there's no more after this. And I kind of think it weirdly would work as a kappa even though I'm yeah. glad it obviously didn't, because yeah. we wouldn't be making a podcast now yeah. if it had. But it kind of does work as like an ending, in, in, a, in a weird way. It feels like the series finale that never, they never got. Yeah, like ways, yeah, yeah. Because the, the last episode of the series is ridiculous. Final question. Like I say, I think this is, we've seen it in its final form. Yeah. It really impressed me so, so much. My work here is done. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> this is... The, I mean, I say it's the best ever going to get, but who knows? Maybe I'll watch it again on on Blu-ray, again in a few years, or even in 4K, maybe I'll be yeah. like, even more? I have It'll be weird to go back and listen to our first episode now and how much, I guess, Paul will be defending it against us. Like, no, I that think, version I think, of you back then, you would have had no idea you had this coming. No, I kind of like... I knew the direction, obviously. I was quite mm. familiar with it, and I was showing you the theatrical. I knew how kind of like compromised it was and I was kind of apologetic in a sense because like you know you were you kind of like you know did did kind of labour on the floors of the movie quite considerably I'm like yeah they're there and like I was just trying to really pick on the the good bits the music music and music I forgot to say <laughs> well you called in our first ever episode in your final thoughts you called this film like a, a warm blanket of a movie mm. for yourself I think you said yeah. like you like I think uh, it was yeah. I think mean, I described it, it was like suddenly it was once I'd seen them all and I kind of then I had a time to reflect and I kind of revisited them like they did a sci-fi channel retrospective and they had all of them and I watched this one on its own and I just was like oh this is so different like the first time you were like these shots these models everything seems so big and I got used to seeing the other movies where they're a bit more action etc but they weren't quite as a spectacle as this. I was like, this is such an odd duck, but like, it just drew me in. And I think just the kind of the pace of it, like you could just spend a bit of time with it. 
I, I, I really kind of gravitated towards that and that sort of began the reappraisal and then it just got so it's just got more and more deeper since then yeah this is great to own this this is the Blade Runner like the first kind of five disc set since Blade Runner was like gone this is a, mm. a good you know collector's edition done right with love with care and it and deserve it of it yeah completely I, I, I think that this is it this is probably the last focused episode we'll ever do on the motion picture I would have thought <laughs> uh, I mean this is you know we like nowhere to go from here this the, is it this yeah. is the summit of the Paramount Mountain this I is the end of our trilogy yeah I promise you we won't, we won't be going back <laughs> I'm so happy we had a chance to do this one more time yeah, exactly. I think this is yeah, this is our our motion picture trilogy, and uh, is finally complete. And yeah, I'm very very happy with where it's ended up. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we end up going back to any of the other films. I think we'll probably revisit something, but who knows where it'll be? We'll be great. Yeah, there's a lot, lot more anniversaries coming up. Indeed, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. What is we are in the fortieth anniversary of Khan. <laughs> maybe maybe, oh, maybe yeah. the, the so-called director's edition of that. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose that's a little bit of a come down, isn't it? After, I mean, the film is obviously spectacular, but the director's edition is not is not a great, <laughs> great improvement on the film or anything like that. It's just kind of, yeah, a few, as uh, our previous guest, Bob Salmon, producer, author of Khan, pointed out. So, yeah, there we are. Uh, we've already done The Human Adventure is just beginning because you did it at the end of the last <laughs> at the last segment. I think so. we've used up all of their taglines, haven't we? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what, there is no comparison. The Human Adventure is just beginning. Is there any more? It's Kirk. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a Star Trek. We've dazzled our intellects. We have dazzled our intellects. This is just yeah. the, t- the awesome world's TV spots. Yeah, that's what I'm we'll, 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 I think it would be nice to finish if you can stick one in here. And hear the disdain in his voice when he has to say, "Our oh, Robert White's film. Yeah. <laughs> and he's never forgiven him for cutting the Magnificent Ambersons. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And reshooting the ending. The studio mandated, yeah. Like, uh, Bob White had to step in. Does he say a Gene Rodri production of a Robert White's film? Yes. So, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, French. The human adventure is just beginning. William Shatner, take us out, is Captain James T. Kirk. Leonard Nimoy is Mr. Spock. DeForest Kelly is Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy. James Doohan is Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scott. George Takei is Lieutenant Commander Sulu. Majel Barrett is Dr. Christine Chapel. Walter Koenig is Lieutenant Pavel Chekhov. Michelle Nichols is Lieutenant Commander Uhura. Stephen Collins is Commander Willard Decker. Persis Kambata is Lieutenant Ilya. Roddenberry's production of a Robert Wise film.